0: Welcome to this special episode of CareCast, CareNet's podcast on family, faith, and life, with Roland Warren, CareNet's president and CEO, and Vincent DeCaro, CareNet's chief outreach officer. This is part one of a four-part series on how to address the arguments of Christians who profess to be pro-choice. The pro-life movement often focuses on how to convert someone from pro-choice to pro-life using logic, science, and secular arguments. While this is critical work, it has also become clear, especially after the overturning of Roe v. Wade, that there are many Christians who are pro-choice as well. In this four-part series, Roland and Vince will show how you can use clear and often overlooked biblical principles to help your pro-choice Christian friends see the case for life in the Bible and in their faith. In part one, Roland and Vince address how the Great Commandment and the Great Commission support the pro-life position. Let's listen in.
1: Roland and I wanted to have a conversation to actually address some of the concerns and arguments that Christians who profess to be pro-choice have around the life issue. Um, And, you know, this, I think this really kind of came to the forefront a lot when Roe versus Wade was overturned, actually, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, that was what really um, inspired me to want to do this, Vince, because I think a lot of people were surprised that so many Christians were frustrated that Roe got overturned. And in many ways, it really kind of opened my eyes even more. I mean, I noticed this over the years, but that a lot of Christians just weren't thinking about the life issue mm-hmm. through a biblical lens. Right. They were thinking about it maybe through a cultural lens or um, maybe even to some degree, just sort of a, you know, the way to think about compassion in a way that maybe right. um, wasn't the most compassion for the most vulnerable right. perspective, right. which is the narrative in, in the public square. Yeah. And so I, from my standpoint, I really just had a sensitivity to that. Right. Right. And, and I know that folks who profess to be pro-choice that are Christian. It's not that they lack compassion, but I, I do think there are some ways that this issue needs to be anchored and discussed in a biblical worldview yes. uh, that I think could help folks uh, come along and see this uh, through a lens that uh, is appropriate and that will lead them to you know, a, a pro-life perspective, which is which is the perspective that certainly that God has around this issue.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think what's really important and what Roland and I are going to try to do in this video is... You know, oftentimes uh, Christians, whether you profess to be pro-life or pro-choice, we sort of try to find those few magical uh, passages in Scripture that we feel make the argument for in either direction. So we sort of try to isolate a a passage of Scripture um, that addresses the abortion issue or the life issue in a very, very specific way. But what we're going to try to do in this video is show that actually throughout all of Scripture, there's an argument for life. Yeah. Um, so rather than just trying to like, you know, talk about the, maybe there's a few that you are, have already come to mind for you. Rather than kind of talking about those yeah. and how those either prove or disprove the pro-life position, we're actually probably not even going to talk about any of the ones that you might be thinking of as the, quote, pro-life Bible passages. We're actually going to be talking about Scripture as a whole and biblical principles as a whole that come out of Scripture that actually address the life issue. So.
2: Yeah, and that's the way that you should think about it in terms of a, a biblical worldview, right? So yep. on an issue like, for example, gun control, right? Jesus never talked about guns. Right. So does that right. mean that there's not a perspective in Scripture about violence in some way, shape, right. or form or gun violence that can speak to the issue of gun violence? Well, of course there is because there are principles within scripture and that's the way scripture is written. There are principles that are in scripture that help inform us about contemporary issues right. because the Bible is timeless in terms of his application. Right, right, and right, so right. we just find often with, with the life issue, folk use a different metric They right. for some other social issue, they say, well, we can't find that in scripture, but we still have a principle here. But on the life issue, it's like, well, we don't find the life issue in scripture, therefore we can go with whatever the culture says. Right. So we want to make sure that you do that. And I would just yeah. encourage you, like I said, if you have a you know pro-choice perspective uh, as a Christian, to just stick with us <laughs> and just listen through this and process this and pray on this. And uh, and we hope that we can help you have a perspective on this that can be helpful as you move forward.
1: So we're actually going to be talking about four different areas where uh, the, the Bible really sort of informs this, this issue. And so... The first one we're going to start with, Roland, is, you, you know, you, I've been hearing you talk a lot about the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. Yeah. I've been hearing you talk about those two things in relation to the life issue. Yeah. So can you just unpack how those two things actually relate to this issue?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting because once Roe was overturned, God really downloaded into my brain a perspective about the Great Commandment and the Great Commission, these sort of bookends, because mm-hmm. they're sort of really two great initiatives mm-hmm. that we as Christians should proclaim in our private life, mm-hmm. live out in our private life, and then also kind of promote in the public square, right? right? And it's the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. Now, the Great Commandment. We find that in Matthew, we find that in Mark, and we also find it in Luke where Jesus is asked a question. And it's a different question each time a little bit, but essentially uh, the question that he gets in Luke, which is where I'm gonna concentrate is, there's a lawyer who comes to him and says, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? Now that's a really important question, right? Because any Christian, should be asking that question. Mm -hmm. What must I do? And of course, Jesus doesn't chastise him for saying that's a really dumb question. He leans into that question because he thinks it's a good question. And then he responds and he answers it the same way he answers it when a scribe asks him and another lawyer asks him. He says, this is what you must do. Mm -hmm. You must love the Lord your God, right? With all your heart, Mm -hmm. your soul, your strength, and your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. And then he kind of talks about in other places as well, how all of scripture kind of kind of is hanging on these two things. So it's love of God and love of your neighbor as yourself. Three loves. Now, when I started to really reflect on that, it gave me just this amazing insight because when you look at that verse and you kind of unpack it, what does this word neighbor mean, Mm -hmm. right? And when you look at the word neighbor in the Greek, it actually means near one. Mm. So it's loving your near one Mm. as yourself. So that's the first point. The second thing is when you look at the word love that's used in this verse, mm-hmm. there's four ways that love are described in scripture. Mm-hmm. And the highest love possible is in the Greek, is this agapeo love mm-hmm. or agape love, mm-hmm. as, as we say it, say it in English, mm-hmm. that type of love. And it's a sacrificial love. Right, so right. in that verse, he's using the same word for love mm-hmm. as the word for love that's used in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world mm-hmm. that he gave his only begotten son, right? That whosoever believe will not perish, but have eternal life, right? right. right? right. So that's the same word for love. Right, It's right. not a love of friend. It's not a, a, a you know, romantic love. Rel- right. it's, it's the same love. Yeah. So you start to put that together. So wait a minute, so we're supposed to have this kind of sacrificial love for our neighbor. Which is, which is your near one. Which is your near one. Right. Now, here's the question. Yeah. If you're a woman who's pregnant,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: Who is your nearest near one? The child in your womb. The child in your womb, right? right? right. If you're a guy who got a woman pregnant, mm-hmm. who is your nearest near one? Well,
1: I would say both the mother of the child and the child, yeah.
2: Right, well, the, the yeah. child, of course, because yeah. what? Right. The mother is a near one, right, right. but the child growing inside her is even a nearer near one right. because it's bone of your bone and flesh of your flesh. Absolutely, yeah. So you've got to ask yourself a question. Whether you're a Christian who professes to be pro-choice or a Christian who professes to be pro-life, mm-hmm. right? how does the life decision how does aborting a child square up against that in other words how does aborting a child demonstrate love for god
1: right or or even more aptly put how does aborting a child actually align you with the great commandment absolutely the the commandment that jesus said is the first and greatest of the commandments to love god to love your neighbor as yourself
2: absolutely how does aborting one of god's image bearers Mm -hmm. Support loving God, right? That's a question right that I just want you to think about and pray about and then the second question is How does aborting your near one Mm -hmm. right who you're supposed to love? Sacrificially Sacrificially, Mm -hmm. how does that support the Great Commission, right?
1: And I think the thing that's really important too for for Christians who profess to be pro-choice to sort of hear in this is that um, You know again, there's this argument. Well, Jesus never talked about abortion but, well, I mean, no, not he didn't exactly, right? But we're talking about, these are actually Jesus' words in yes. scripture. Yes. Right? Talking about agape love, sac- self sacrificial love for your neighbor, your near one. That is the greatest commandment.
2: Absolutely. And yeah. so that's really, from my standpoint, when I, that got downloaded into my brain, I was like, wow, wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the apologetic for mm-hmm. the life issue. Yeah. Beyond all the other questions that you can ask, Everything that we do should help us demonstrate our love for God and our love for our neighbor as ourself. And what you find with abortion, what it actually does, because there are three loves that we're talking about, love for God, love for neighbor, love for self. What abortion actually says is, Don't love God. Don't love your neighbor. Just love yourself. Mm -hmm. That's what it's, that's what it says. That's what's happening there. Mm -hmm. That's what's, that's what we're bringing to the the forefront when we take that perspective. And so really, again, as, as someone who professes to be pro-choice, because I, as a pro-life person, I can square that up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Why? Because whenever a woman brings a child into the world, regardless of the circumstances, that is a sacrificial act. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's a sacrificial act. She's sacrificing her time, her talent, her treasure, her body, all of these things. And we know that, which is why we celebrate right. motherhood the way that we do. Because right. it's such a sacrificial act. So in that moment, what better way to demonstrate love for God than sacrificing for one of his image bearers that you're carrying in your womb? Right, right. right, right.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So now the second pillar here. Yes. So that's, sec- so that's the great commandment. That's right? the great
2: commandment. Okay. right? These are two bookends, the great commission... Yeah and the great commandment right. those are two bookends yep. now, now that leads you to right the great commission the great commission the great commission
1: so how does how what does the great commission <laughs> have to say about the life issue
2: well here's the thing yeah. right the great commission says that we should go and make disciples mm-hmm. right and to teach them to obey all that god has taught us right all that christ has taught us that's what he says yeah,
1: right now did christ teach us the great commandment <laughs>
2: And yeah. that's how you link back to the right. Great Commandment. Right. Right. Because when you say, well, wait a minute, what is, what is all that, that Christ taught us? I mean, God said Old Testament, New Testament, all these different things. Actually, Christ made it really, really simple. Mm-hmm. He said all of it distills down into these two things loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. So, right. all that Christ taught us is to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Mm-hmm. In other words, and to make disciples of our neighbor. Right. Again, the question of abortion. How does aborting your neighbor, Mm -hmm. who you're supposed to be making a disciple, fulfill the great commandment and the great commission? The
1: great commission, right?
2: Right. How is it fulfilling the great commission to abort the very person that you're supposed to make a disciple of? Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Because any any parent knows that the first discipleship mission that you have is who within your own
1: home. Yeah. Within
2: your own home, the children that you have, and in fact, when you look at that word in the Greek. Disciple and discipler, it's all about teaching, learning, nurturing in that relationship. So the child growing inside of that mother and the guy who got her pregnant in God's design, they're supposed to be making disciples of that near one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Do you see? Now, in Luke, when Jesus kind of gives that information, now this lawyer Mm -hmm. then says, well, okay, because, you know, a lot of times as Christians, we'll try to minimize, well, how little do I need to do to get into heaven? Right, right, right. He asks the question, so who is my neighbor? Mm. And Jesus didn't answer the question with an answer. He answers the question with a story. Right. And he tells the story of the Good Samaritan. Right. 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 And if you're not familiar with that story, there's this person who's been injured by robbers and, and left and, and can't.
1: On the side of the road. Side to die. of the road, yeah.
2: very vulnerable right. to die. There's a priest that comes by, mm-hmm. walks on the other side. There's a Levi that comes by, walks on the other side. Mm-hmm. Right. In other words, that's their neighbor, and they're moving far from the near one mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In other words, they're aborting the near one right. in their place of vulnerability, right right, right. That's, This is really what's happening. It's right. a principle of what's happening yeah, here. Right, right. And then the Samaritan comes along, and what does he do? He cares for him, binds his womb, takes him to a hotel, puts him up, all this stuff, and, and, and cares for this person. yes yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so after Jesus tells that story, he asks the lawyer, now who was a neighbor to the person who fell to the vulnerable one?? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Right. And the lawyer says, the one who showed him mercy. Right, right, right. And then Jesus says, go and do likewise. In other words, be a neighbor to your neighbor.
1: Right. Show mercy to your near one who's in a vulnerable position.
2: Absolutely. Now, to show you how beautiful it is what Jesus said, this word mercy. Yes. This word mercy. If you look at the Hebrew root for that word, mercy and compassion, it's exactly the same root as the word what? Womb. Right. Right. So what he's basically saying is, this person, in a sense, is in the womb of vulnerability on the side of the road, and I'm asking you to agape on them. In other words, to have sacrificial love for them.
1: Right. Do you see how powerful this right, is? Right, right. And again, it gets back to this point of, even though Jesus never said the words abortion or pro-life, yes. he absolutely, the principles that he taught us, absolutely addressed this issue in really profound ways that are even deeper and more meaningful, right?
2: Oh, absolutely, because if you think about it, the womb of a mother, Mm -hmm. right, is a mercy seat. Right. I always think about it that way, because every single one of us, I don't care how strong you are today, there was a point of vulnerability that you share with every other person in humanity. Mm -hmm. It was in the womb. Right. You're never more vulnerable than in the womb. Right. I don't care who you are or what right. you grow up to be. Right. We have a shared vulnerability in the womb. Mm-hmm. And I believe that the heartbeat of that baby mm-hmm. is saying, have mercy, have mercy. Every time my mother hears that heartbeat, have mercy. They feel that kick, have mercy have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. That's what the womb is. It's a mercy seat, it's a place of mercy. Mm, mm -hmm. And that's why when you look at the great commandment and the great commission, you link those together, you see that this is their pro-life apologetic straight from the mouth of Jesus. Mm, mm -hmm. Because it's the principle, all the principles that that to lead someone to that decision are reflected in the great commandment and the great commission.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So sort of of wrap up this first part of our four-part argument. Essentially, what a, what a Christian uh, who professes to be pro-choice yeah. should be asking themselves is how does abortion help you, whether you're the person that's, you know, having the abortion or whether you're supporting that act or the idea of that act, um, how does this help me align with yes. the Great Commandment and with the Great
2: Commission? Absolutely. And, and, and by the way, on every issue that we look at, whether it's human trafficking whether it's food security, whether, I don't care what it is, the helping incarcerated folks, whatever the issue may be. The lens that we should be looking through all those issues is through the lens of, does this align with the great commandment? Does this align with the great commission? on every single issue. That's the lens that we should be looking through and evaluating every single issue. And so my encouragement here as a Christian who professes to be pro-choice is to, like a camera, have that be the lens that you look at this through. And I believe that if you look at it through that lens, The lens of that, and certainly when linked to the story of, of the um, of the Good Samaritan, I, I think that you come to a, a pro-life perspective, a pro-life ethic, and from our perspective, a pro-abundant life
0: perspective, which is what we talk about here at CareNet.
1: Right, absolutely. That's a great, great place to wrap up that first argument.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of CareCast. For more pro-abundant life commentary and practical resources, please visit care-net.org. There, you can subscribe to the Abundant Life blog, giving you access to videos, ebooks, podcasts, and other resources to help turn your pro life passion into pro abundant life action. Until next time, we pray that God blesses you and yours daily.